want you uh, to open up your Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. How is, how is it sitting on the front row? You don't enjoy it too much. Not much longer. Not much longer. I'm so used to seeing Bob and Gail and Austin and Ayla and Brian up there. And yeah, Jessica is usually over here. So. And you're over there. So it's not that new for some of you, is it? Oh, hey. <laughs> they moved over to that section. And we all know about that section, don't we? We love that section. That's a shame, isn't it? It's a shame. All right. <laughs> let's, let's carry on. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 this morning. Uh, this, this message was the message I had prepared to, to, to preach last Sunday night uh, for our graduates. We were going to honor our graduates last Sunday night. And certainly uh, this is directed towards you guys. But it's something that's going to be beneficial to our fathers as well. So it worked out pretty good. And I guess it really is fitting for the rest of you too, so, and me included. So this is really a message for everybody. But you can take this to heart. This was really prepared and directed for you. And uh, certainly uh, when, when Jesus said the words that we're getting ready to read here in just a few minutes, maybe he had graduates in mind, maybe he had everybody in mind. I kind of think that's it. All of us. So we can all benefit from something that, that we're going to hear this morning. But we will say that we are so proud of you guys. Uh, you have experienced a lot, you three of her on this side, a lot in the last 12 years. And you could probably tell the three over here a thing or two about what's coming. Uh, they, you guys look a little bit happier. They look a little bit more cautious. They're getting ready to jump into the, the high school uh, situation. So we certainly have something to pray about for these three. Amen? We know what it's like. But we also know that these three over here uh, are going to need our prayers as well because I know you've probably been told uh, you've reached the end and you finally got to the, to the pinnacle of what you've been waiting for ever since you started finger painting in kindergarten or whatever. And the truth of the matter is you aren't at the end of something. You're beginning something or you're continuing something. Uh, so it is the end of maybe the high school career, but as far as life goes, this, these past 12 years and these next couple years are going to be very important for you guys. And I want to talk to you about that as we get ready to read in Matthew chapter 7, because it talks a lot about foundation, and it talks a lot about building your life. And what I would say to you is this, that you are just beginning to build a foundation. You are just beginning to build your life. And for those of us who are a little bit past the 12th grade graduation, we are still building our lives as well. You know, we have not arrived. We have not made it. We have not reached the very top, and now it's just coasting downhill, even though sometimes with these bodies we feel like that's the case. But we're still building. We are still building, and that's something we need to glean and get from the scripture that we're going to read here today. So the thing is, no matter how old you are, whether you just finished kindergarten or 8th grade or 12th grade, or whether you're 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or 90, you are still building. We are still building. So let's look 
at Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read verses 24 through 29 this morning. 24 through 29. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So we've all, we can relate to this story. I mean, it is very simple, very easy to understand what is being said here. And we've, do you guys remember the song? Uh, the wise man built his house upon the rock. Y'all remember that? Should we join in a rousing chorus of that right now? The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The rains came down, the floods came up, but the house on the rock did stand. That's, that's it in a nutshell right there. So we all kind of know what's going on and what's being said here. But we also know in reading this that foundations are important and building materials are important. And I want to read to you a, a story or an illustration about a guy who built something. And maybe he didn't understand how important foundations really were. This guy's name is Banano Pisano. Y'all want to try to say that? Banano Pisano. And this took place in 1174. He was an Italian architect. And he was building a bell tower that would stand separately from the cathedral in the city of Pisa. Okay? And this tower that he was going to build was going to be eight stories tall, or in terms that we, some of us might understand better, 185 feet tall. It's going to be a pretty tall structure that he was building. But there was only one problem that the builders began to discover as they began to build this structure. And that was that the soil that the city itself was built upon and the soil that this, this tower was being built upon, it was too soft, much softer than they thought. And also the foundation that was put down was not deep enough to hold this structure. So we know what began to happen as they began to build and as this thing took shape, it began to do what? It began to lean. And we know this as the leaning tower of Pisa. Leaning tower of Pisa. So it took 176 years to build this thing. And during the building of it, a lot of things were done to try to compensate for this leaning, for this tilt that took place. So they tried to shore up the foundation. They also tried to build the upper levels at an angle so that it would look straighter. So you would have probably something that looked like this and then went like that. That's kind of what they were, they were hoping for. Um, it didn't work. Nothing really worked. So this, but the thing is, this tower has stood for 800 years, but it definitely, definitely had problems. Because we know when we look at buildings, we want those buildings to be straight, right? We don't care too much for leaning things. So anyway, uh, at one point they closed the whole thing down for 12 years. And they wanted to try to see if they could fix some of the problems. And they spent, this is amazing, $25 million 
to renovate and try to stabilize this leaning tower. And they took about 110 tons of dirt out and they were able to reduce the lean. Okay, 110 tons of dirt and $25 million later and they were able to reduce the lean by 16 inches. Okay, what does 16 in, how long is 16 inches? Everybody show me what you think 16 inches is. Is that, is that worth $25 million? I don't know. I don't know. But they did it because it kept tilting further and further and further. And here's the interesting thing. It's positioned on the globe, on the earth. Uh, eventually, this tower was 17 feet further south. The top of it was further south than the bottom. So again, it was looking pretty bad. This thing was going to, it was going to be bad. It was going to fall. They were scared that it was going to collapse. So they were doing everything they could to keep this from happening. So let me ask you a question. What was the problem? Was the design the problem? The design of the, the, the tower itself, was it the problem? Was it the materials that they were using to build the tower? Was it faulty marble or something like that? No, it wasn't that either. The problem was what was underneath. It was the sandy soil. It wasn't stable enough to support something that was this heavy, that was this tall, and that was this strong, that was this size. So the problem was the foundation. The foundation was the problem. And we know how important the foundation is, even by the scripture that we read today. Jesus said, Therefore anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So he is telling us there how important it is, how important the foundation is, but also how important what you put the foundation on is. So Jesus tells this story. Jesus tells this parable. This is not an actual, this happened on such and such a day story. This is one of those, I want to tell you a story, and I want to teach you a lesson. And I want you to listen, because what this tells you will be great for your life. And this is what he was doing. So what we see, what we know, what we can gather from this is that everybody, everybody needs a house. Everybody needs a place to call home. We like a house because our house gives us uh, security. Uh, It gives us stability. It gives us a place to rest. It gives us a place to be renewed and and refreshed. And we all want some sort of house to live in. We want a house, we want a roof over our heads. And so we've got houses, we all need houses, and all houses have to have builders, right? Somebody's got to build that house. And so let's think about these builders for just a minute. The builder of the house on the sand, the builder of the house on the rock, you got to figure they probably look pretty much the same. Uh, they, they probably look like any other builder that builds anything. And they look similar on the outside, probably like you and I look similar on the outside. I mean, everybody that I see this morning looks squeaky clean, got their Sunday clothes on, ready for church. Everybody looks pretty much the same, don't we? <laughs> I know what you're thinking. I don't look like I'm over there. But we do, you know, we, we all look the same. And on the outside, a lot, of, a lot of similarities. We all look similar. But we are not the same on the inside. Sure we are. We all have a heart and lungs and kidneys and all that good stuff. 
But that's not what I'm talking about. How, what are we made of on the inside? What are we like on the inside? What are our thoughts? What are our feelings? Where, what about our faith? How are, how are we different on the inside? But these builders did have some similarities. They did have some similarities. But other than looks, they had some other similarities. They had the same purpose. These house builders had the same purpose. They were both trying to build a house. They both wanted to build a house. And they, you have to figure, too, by the way the story played out, that they probably built their house in the same geographical location. And we know that because there was a storm that came, and the storm hit both of these houses. So it's probably in the same general location. And they probably had the same kind of plans because most houses have at least four walls, a floor, and a roof. Would you agree to that? So again, these builders, not only did they look the same, but they had a lot of other similarities as well. And we do, we again, we have similarities with each other. Uh, I know we referenced this group over here as them a few minutes ago, but they are just like you all, and you all are just like those guys. We're all very, very similar in a lot of ways. One thing that we're all doing is we are all building our own house. We are all building our own spiritual house. Just think about that. And most of us do some of the similar things during the day. A lot of us go to a job, work a job. A lot of us go to school or went to school every day. A lot of us are raising a family, so we have that in common. A lot of us are trying to work a job to pay some bills. We have that in common. And we all like to do things for fun. We all have recreational activities that we like to enjoy, that we enjoy, and we all have uh, hobbies that we like to do every now and then. So we're very similar in a lot of ways, like those builders in that story. But we've got some differences as well. And we have very distinctive differences that we cannot see because these differences are underneath. They are underneath. They are underground, so to speak. They are under our skin, our differences. We are laying different foundations for our spiritual homes. And that's what's different about us. It's, it's the difference is how we are building our lives. And the difference is explained to us in this story. You're either building, you're found, you're either building on a firm foundation or you're building on what we'll call a fatal foundation. And that's how we differ. That's how our foundations differ. So let's talk about those for just a few minutes. Now Jesus called the fatal foundation a foundation of sand and that the person who builds their house upon the sand is foolish. That's the word that's used, is foolish. So why does he talk about a foundation of sand? Why is that even relevant? What would that mean to the people who lived back then? Well, if you understand the geography of Palestine, it may make a little more sense, and you would understand why it would make sense to the people in that day and time. Because back then, in the summer season, the riverbeds would dry out because it got very dry. And these riverbeds, these dry riverbeds, were called wadis. W-A-D-D-I-S, wadis. Okay, I think I'm saying that right. 
So you've got these dry riverbeds, empty of water and, and very dry, very sandy. But the problem is that when the, rain, when the rainy season came, the rains will come down, and as the song goes, the floods come up. And those wadis become raging rivers. Water, lots of water passing through those, those once dry riverbeds. And so if you weren't familiar with this area and you came in and you decided to build, you may choose mistakenly, mistakenly and, and very bad choice to build a house on one of these dried up riverbeds in the path of what will one day be a raging river. But then you, you still have to ask yourself, and just work with me here, you have to ask yourself, why would a person... Even still, why would a person build a house on sand? It just doesn't make any sense. Well, why do we do some of the things that we do? Some of the things I have done and am doing and probably will do are not going to make any sense. I can do some things that you probably shake your head. Why is he doing that? But, you know, sometimes, sometimes I, and I've shared this with you, sometimes I like to take the easy way, the way that's not quite so difficult. And sometimes that's a bad choice on my part. But think about this. Just, just speculate for just a few minutes. Maybe somebody would build their house on the sand, on the fatal foundation, because they didn't want to dig down deep enough to make sure that their structure was going to be secure when they did build it. Maybe it was just an easy way. Maybe it was a cheaper way. An easy way, a cheaper way. Now, let's be honest with ourselves. In life, have we chosen sometimes the easy way? Have we chosen sometimes the cheaper way? I think we all have. And I think sometimes even in churches, we do that. We look to find ways where we can serve or we can serve God that's easy. And if it's a little difficult, if we're going to have to step out on faith and we're a little unsure about the way it's going to work out or how things will end up, then we may not be as willing. But we might be willing to do the easy stuff. Just don't ask us to do anything difficult. Oh, I know God has given me gifts. I'm still trying to figure those out. So don't put me over there because I don't think that's my gift. But rather, let me stay over here where it's easy and I don't have to work too hard and, and do too much. But I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit here. So there are, there are plenty of sandy foundations that you and I can build our life on. Plenty of different foundations that would be considered fatal or sandy. Now let me tell you, let me share with you some of those, what some of those might be. First of all, I want to talk about some worldly foundations that would be considered sand. You can build your life on philosophy. You can find a philosophy. You can listen to a philosopher. You can study that and say, that sounds pretty sound. I'm going to build my life, my whole life on that right there. Maybe we choose to build our life on science. Science seems pretty secure, pretty stable. Hasn't changed that much. And if it does change, it changes to something better, you know, evolution and all that. So I'll just build my life on science. Or what about politics? I'm, I'm a crap through and through. I will forever be a Republican, and every decision I make in my life comes from that. What about our careers? Sometimes coming out of high school and out of college, we're so career-oriented that that's what we're going to fight for, and that's all we think about, and that's all that matters to us. And then sometimes it's family. You know, 
will build my life on my family. And that sounds so nice and so sweet and so hallmark. But is it the best foundation, according to the Word of God, for us, for us to build our lives on? How about some religious foundations? Surely religious foundations are good, good foundational material. What about the history of the Baptist congregation? Why not build our spiritual lives on the history of, of, of Baptists? Why not do that? Why not look at all of that and, and make all of our decisions based on that? What about tradition? Tradition is important. Tradition, you know, we like those traditions. Uh, they're pretty sound. They've, they've hung around for a while. Rituals as well. Let's just build everything that we do upon those things. Let those be what we start with. What about man-made creeds and prayers and confessions? That sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty decent. How about good works? The Bible says that you know, we'll be known by our good works. Let's do good works. Let's build our lives on good works. And all these things sound really good, but maybe I think maybe what we're doing when we look at those, especially that last list, we're mistaking our building materials for foundational materials. Because let's be honest, baptism, that's a good thing. To follow the Lord in baptism is a good thing. It's scriptural. Church membership, that's important. Maybe we should build everything upon that. How about just living a good life, being a decent person, just being kind, as, as, as kind as I can be to other people. Surely that sounds nice and that sounds good. And it does, but then again, that's building material to build your life. The only foundation that is suitable, according to Scripture, the only foundation that we should build on, not science, not philosophy, not good works, not Baptist history, the only foundation is Jesus Christ. Think about that. Jesus Christ. Well, I've got Scripture to back that up here in just a few minutes. So, Jesus said that building your life on any foundation that isn't stable, and we just went through a whole bunch of those, is foolish. Let's read some Scripture that backs that up too. Psalm 14.1, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. Proverbs 28.26, He who trusts in himself is a fool. Oh, how many times. Trust your heart. Believe in yourself. And you can be anything that you want to be. <laughs> Wipe that off the dry erase board right now. <laughs> and just put this in its place. Jesus. Okay? Again, those are beautiful sentiments. And, and I've said those, and I've listened to those, and I've been encouraged by that. But in the long run, what has it done for me? I'm still not an astronaut, <laughs> but one day I will be. Think about that. Okay. Uh, so there are, you know, there's foolish thoughts, there's foolish behaviors that we can, we can be involved in as Christians. But here's what Jesus calls foolish, and this is really what it comes down to. This is what is really being foolish here. He's not really talking about building a house on sand or rock, not an actual literal house. This is what he's saying. That it's foolish if we hear the Word of God, but we don't do it. If we hear the Word of God, 
but we don't do it. I'm going to tell you what, I don't know how many times in my life I wished I had paid better attention to people who are a lot wiser than me telling me stuff, trying to explain some things to me. But I was young once, and I knew it all once, or I thought I did. And so I would do it my own way. Yeah, I understand that people look to you and they respect you and you're a pillar of the community and a deacon in the church or blah, blah, blah. And I know you're saying that this is the right way to do it, but I think I've got a better way, so let me just give it a shot. And oh, how many times I have messed up in doing that. He says it's foolish to be a hearer, but not a doer. You've got to watch the foundation that you're building on. Uh, there's a Christian author by the name of Ravi Zacharias, and he was doing some lectures at Ohio State University one year. And the driver was driving him to the place where he would give his lecture. And they went by a building called the Wexner Art Center. And the driver said, hey, this is the new art building for the university. It is fascinating to look at. You need to go inside and, and check it out. It's built and designed in the postmodernist view of reality. Does anybody know, does anybody know what that means? This is what it means. It means that there are staircases that don't go anywhere. There are pillars that don't support anything. And the architect designed it to reflect life. So life is like a stairway that doesn't lead anywhere. And life is like a pillar that doesn't hold anything up. And so Dr. Zacharias said, well, what about the foundation? Did they build the foundation the same way they built the building? And the driver said, don't be silly. They can't do that. They would never do that. Think about that. What are, we, what, are, what are we building on? What is the foundation? That's the fatal foundation. Let's quickly talk about the firm foundation. We've already mentioned it. The only foundation that's suitable is Jesus Christ. The only foundation that's suitable. Jesus said that the person who builds on the firm foundation is wise. Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you everything you have, get understanding. Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So how is Jesus defining a wise builder in this story that he told us? He describes the wise builder, and I've already mentioned this, as one who hears the Word of God and then is faithful to do the Word of God. How many times have we heard the Word of God, yet we were hesitant to do what it said? How many times have we heard the Word of God and it's, we thought, boy, that sounds really good. Not for me, though. To hear the Word of God and to do the Word of God is wise. So, how do we become attentive to the Word of God? How do we get to know the Word of God? Oh, very simple. Very simple. First of all, you've got to read it. You've got to read it like you would any other book. You've got to open it up. You've got to read it. And then you know what you've got to do is you've got to study it. You need to study the Word of God. We, I think many of us have read the Word of God. But have we really studied the Word of God? Try to analyze the message that's coming across and then try to apply that to our lives. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. How do I love God? How do I love people? In a practical way, when I get up out of my bed and walk out of my door, 
how do I love God? How do I love people? Read the Bible. Study the Bible. And then you need to reflect on the Bible. Reflect on the Word of God. Let it work itself around in your mind and in your heart. Think about it throughout the day. As you're in your different situations throughout the day, and you've got an opportunity uh, to be a blessing or a curse to somebody, let's put it that way, how are you going to let that message that's floating around in your mind and in your heart, love God, love people, how are you going to let that come out in that particular situation? And then, be present and participate when the Bible is being studied. Bible study, small group Bible study, Sunday morning Bible study, Wednesday night youth group, Wednesday night service, Sunday morning service. When the Bible is being studied, be present. You know, it is not just a place to go and sit for an hour or so. It's a place to come and learn. It's a place to come and grow. It's a place to open up your heart and open up your mind and take in what's being said. But Jesus did not put the emphasis on just reading and studying. Even though that's important. That's not where the emphasis is. His emphasis is on doing it as well. James 2, 26. As a matter of fact, James is a good book to read on what to do with the Word of God. James 2, 26 says, Faith without works is dead. James chapter 1, verses 23 through 25. Let me read those for you. Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says, and I know this will strike a chord with all of us. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing, he will be blessed in what he does. I can't tell you how many times I have sat down to read. And if I wasn't fully invested in what I was doing, I could read it and get up and walk away and forget what I had read. Or I could read it and not get what message was he was trying to convey to me because I had other things on my mind. So it's just like a, a, a man or a woman who goes to a mirror and looks at themselves in the mirror and then walks away and forgets what they look like. What a, what a great way to illustrate that. So we need to read it and study it and work it around in our mind and work it around in our heart. And that is the firm foundation. That is the way to build your life as opposed to the fatal foundation of trying to find something else that sounds good and looks good and giving it a shot. So, we've got a fatal foundation, we've got a firm foundation. What showed the difference? you got sand builders, you got rock builders. We've got that here in this building today. But what shows the difference? What, brought, what came about that showed the difference? And we know that to be the storm, Right? The storm is what showed the difference between the house that was built on a firm foundation and a house that was built on a fatal foundation. When the storm came and the floods came up, the waters rose, the house that was built on sand, the fatal foundation, it fell. 
But the house that was built on the rock, it stood. And what a great picture of our lives that is giving us. If we build on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and we get hit by storms, we're going to what? We are going to stand. If we try any of these other things, that's not the case. Now let's take a look at this storm. I'm, I'm almost finished, but let's take a look at this storm for just a minute. Let's look at how it's explained, how it's described in Scripture. It says, pressure came from above. So we know that the rains came down. So rains come from above, right? So the rains came down. The pressure came from above. It also said that pressure came from below. Because as the rains came down, the floods came up. So you got rain coming down, pressing down. You got water coming up, pressure coming from, from below. And then it said that the winds blew and the winds hit us from all sides. So from the top, from the bottom, and from all sides, that's how the storms hit us. We are hit in life with storms from all directions. And sometimes you get hit by multiple storms. And sometimes you get hit by a little storm, and then here comes a hurricane. You know what I'm talking about. That's how life happens. Scripture puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persuaded, but not abandoned. Excuse me, persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It all comes back to Jesus. He is our firm foundation. So there's two things, two concepts that I want to leave you with before we finish. And that is this, that this lesson, this story that Jesus gave us, this pretty simple story with such great implications, this pretty simple story was not given to us to to show us how we can be exempt from the storms of life. Because those storms are going to come. They will come. They'll come today. They'll come tomorrow. They'll come the next day. They'll come the next year. They'll come the next decade. The storms are going to come. They will come. And secondly, our faith will be tested. So when we are tested by the storms of life, are we going to be, are you going to be, are we going to be standing on a firm foundation, the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about it this way. I want to finish with this illustration. Let's just suppose that two people decide to plant a garden. And the one person plants the garden and puts the seeds in the ground and waters it and puts the, uh, the, the cages up for the tomatoes and puts the sticks up for the, for the uh, things that are going to have to grow up tall and puts netting around the, the plants that the rabbits and the birds like to eat and attends it regularly, goes out and pulls weeds and makes sure that the garden is taken care of. And then the second person that builds or that, that plants the garden puts the, puts the seeds in the ground, waters it, and then just leaves it. Leaves it to fend for itself. So harvest time comes and the person that didn't do anything to their garden 
comes out and sees that, that the tomato plants, well, all the tomatoes are rotten. They're laying on the ground. The beans, the vines have gone in amongst all the other plants. And all the plants have been devastated by birds and rabbits and other little animals. And they were able to harvest a few things. And they tried them out and they ate them and they weren't all that good. And they came to the conclusion that it doesn't really make sense to plant a garden. I'll just go get my stuff at the convenience store because it's a lot easier and it tastes better anyway. But the person who had tended their garden, the person who had spent the time in putting the cages and the sticks and the netting out, every couple of weeks they were able to come away with basketfuls, baskets full of vegetables. And they were delicious. And this person decided that they were better than what they were able to get at the grocery store. And when all was said and done... They figured that they, they saved a good 15 to 20% on their grocery bill throughout the summer. So they both planted, but only one tended. They both planted, but only one tended. Now let's liken that, if you will, to two people who have made a decision to make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. They've, they've trusted in Jesus for salvation. They've trusted in Jesus or forgiveness. And they've done this at about the same time. But eventually, listen to this, the influence that the commitment had on their lives soon became evident. Because one person decided that, you know, I'm saved, I understand this, it makes sense for me to be a Christian, but I'm not going to work at this, and I'm not going to reorder my life around it I'm still going to live my life and do what I want to and, and have the things that I want to have and live life my way. But the other person who made a commitment decided to invest in studying the Word of God, to going to Bible studies, to going to church, to talking to people that she respected about things of faith. And eventually she began to, to show different attributes and different gifts. And people started to come to her and ask her questions about the Word of God, and ask her questions about problems that she was having, they were having in their lives. So she almost by accident got a ministry to help other people just because she was willing to tend the garden, so to speak, to build on the firm foundation, so to speak, to build her life on Jesus Christ. And I want to say this to you before I finish. If we tend our garden, if you tend your garden, if we tend our gardens, we're going to have plenty of food with which to feed other people. And what a blessing it is to be able to help other people and to strengthen their faith and to show them what a life built on a firm foundation is. Because if we just give it a half-hearted attempt, you know what, we may have enough just to get ourselves fed and if we don't give it any effort at all, we're not going to be any good to anybody. And we're going to be consumer Christians. And we're going to be feeding off everybody else, not contributing anything, but expecting everybody else to take care of everything for us. So answer these two questions. I want you to think about these, you that are graduating from high school, you that are graduating from eighth grade or already have, and those of us who are just graduating from today to tomorrow. Think about this. What materials are you building your life on? Are they worldly materials or are they heavenly materials? And what 
are you building your foundation on? Are you building it on sand? Are you building it on rock? 1 Corinthians 3.11 says this, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So here's the deal. Speaking just from my heart, the, the only thing in my life that keeps me going, the only thing that I know that I can count on, no matter what, is Jesus Christ and the relationship that we have. And there have been days when I have tried other things. I have looked to other people. I have looked elsewhere to make it through and to find the strength that I felt like I needed to keep going. And I was disappointed every single time. What he is, is he is our rock. Scripture describes him as such, not just in this story, but throughout Scripture, he is our rock. Scripture also tells us that he is our one true foundation. He is our one true foundation. And I'll even go so far as to say this. We talked about a tower earlier, the leaning tower. He is our strong tower. He is my strong tower. He never lets me down. He always has something good to show me, something good to teach me. And I will say this, it's not always the easy way, but it is the more excellent way. And I want to do what the wise man did. I want to build my house, my spiritual house, upon the rock so that when the storms do come, and boy, do they, do they come, so that when they come, I won't come crashing down. I'll still be standing. And not of my own strength, but His alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You, Lord, for this simple story in Scripture that is so uh, important for us as, as followers of Christ, as believers. Sometimes we can take care of that one big thing, trust in Jesus, and then we're done. And we, th- we think that's all there is to it. And we've got other things and other agendas and other, other paths to take. And sometimes we just leave you behind. We, we try to uh, appease you every now and then with a, attending a church service or saying a prayer. But in reality, we're just living for us and building our lives upon things that are going to fall. And if we can pass along any wisdom at all, it's the wisdom that we've gained from the Word of God. And that is that the wise man built his house upon the rock. The true, strong foundation of Jesus Christ. Help us to remember this and help us to be a, a good example of what was shown in this story of hearing the word and doing the word. Not just listening to a message, not just thinking all oh, that makes sense, but making sure that we apply it in a very real way to our lives. Father, thank you for these six individuals. They are precious to us, they're precious to this church. Uh, such bright futures we see for them as they follow you and look to you for the paths that you have for them to take. That's our prayer. And what a blessing it has been to be a part of their journey and to see them grow in the knowledge and understanding and their love for the Lord. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this time I'm going to ask Robert Church to come up front, if you will. And Robert is 
doing a great job with our, our young people, with our teenagers. And, uh, you know, you have to have the mind of a teenager to work with teenagers. That's all I will say. That is all I will say. Uh, we we want to help you on your journey to, uh, to build on a firm foundation. So what the church does every year for our eighth graders, we've got a devotional, uh, a one-year devotional that we have for you guys. For our seniors, we've got a devotional and a Bible as well. And we pray that you'll use these tools every day as you build, as you build your life on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. So at this time, we want to recognize our eighth graders. And uh, you guys, want y'all three just go ahead and stand up. And y'all can go ahead and come to the stairs. And as I call your name, come up the stairs. And Robert has something he's going to present to you. Okay, first off, uh, we want to ask Bryson Church to come across the stage. Let's give Bryson a hand. Um, Bryson is, uh, gosh, he is just so much like his daddy. So much like his daddy. Uh, Bryson is, is growing up, he's a fine young man, he's... He has uh, exhibited strength and resilience through uh, many obstacles. And we just praise God for what he's done in Bryson's life. 